0: Three, four. Josie and Johnny are having a baby. Maybe they
1: need a little help. Hello. Welcome to Johnny and Josie are having a baby with you. With you. With you. (laughs) The podcast for people who are parents-to-be and clueless. Parents are very clued up and would like to um, laugh derisively at clueless parents to be, and people for whom having children is not yet on the horizon. He'd like to dip their toe, maybe, give it into a, the a little think. Yeah, give it a bit of a think. Uh, me and Jenny were a real life couple. We love to laugh we do we have a lot of fun we're two British
0: comedians from London which is in England which is in Great Britain which was in Europe um, and should be, should be. but Gee, nonetheless can't move us
1: geographically can no, they? we're
0: still here just not politically anymore we're yeah,
1: sadly yeah, we're, we're um, we've, we've sidetracked we have Josie and Johnny We've got a a baby on the way. Which we didn't plan. (laughs) (laughs) We planned. We just
0: planned to... um, Have it later. Yeah. It came a little bit early because of an error. Fate. And fortune. (laughs) We're also lucky um, to have the baby because I'm sure he or she will be an absolute delight. And we're going to love him or her or they... Very much, and I'm very excited about their arrival, but I know nothing. Yes. Today we're talking to Jane Marie, who is a columnist, podcaster, producer uh, and writer. Um, she produced um, This American Life for 10 years. Brilliant. Um, as well as... Uh, Being a
1: busy, working mother of one. She's correct. got a five-year-old girl. Um, we're going to talk to her about a whole host of things. Um, and things that I think... We've both worried about, like, um, so when you first find out you're pregnant in the United Kingdom, you go for a booking appointment. And your booking appointment, you go meet the midwives and they ask you a million questions. And at that, in the first trimester, mm. I think there's something about me that is completely allergic to progesterone, which is harsh uh, being a woman because those are the two, there are two big woman hormones estrogen and progesterone. And if you really, really can't handle one of them, life is a wild ride. Mm. But uh, it's... Do men have hormones? Testosterone.
0: All right, okay. Uh,
1: But yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of hormones in the body all the time, but those are your two reproductive hormones. I'm not a biologist. I object. Okay. So, um, uh, yeah, so basically when you are in the first trimester of pregnancy, uh, there are a number of times when your body is flooded with progesterone like never before. Mm -hmm. And there were times early on in the pregnancy where I felt like I know I'm being irrational, but... I am so full of this hormone that I do not care. Mm. And I, I remember those very well. <laughs> <laughs> um, luckily, the third trimester is not the same. It's a different kind of grumpiness. It's more. It's a physical exhaustion, isn't it? Constant, yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm sorry about that. Lack of sleep. Yeah. Putting on a T-shirt is on is Just half an hour. done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but. Um, uh yeah, so when I went to my booking appointment, I spoke to them and I said, look, I'm really a little bit worried because I did not expect the level of kind of feeling depressed that I've had with this, this progesterone hormone. And what they've done, which I am kind of glad for, is they've sort of gone, OK, well, we'll make sure that the midwives visit you a little bit longer and we're going to put a little flag. And I think that's something that scares me a lot about having a baby is how much it can affect your mental health and change your situation, and how mm. incredibly intense it is. But also, as a woman, not that men don't go through no, no. many changes because they do. I think it is that massive. But as a woman, your body suddenly is like going to be flooded with all these hormones, sure. and I don't know how I'm going to cope with that, and I don't know what to do as and when. Sure.
0: And I'm not going through any physiological changes, obviously, um, because my job in making the baby was right at the start. Mm. And Are you then, working on a dad um, bod? I, I am. I'm trying to be ripped uh, in time. You don't know what ripped means. No, I don't. Um, I've heard of the gym, but I haven't been. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm, I mean, I'm somebody who um, I take medication for clinical depression. Um, I'm, a, I'm a very sort of happy person um, uh, outside of the fact that I think that is a, a medical problem that I have and I try and deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I worry about depression being something that I could pass on to my child. That's Is that hereditary? Is that something I could possibly give them? I mean, that's quite um,
1: terrifying. So it's quite big, heavy um, big, heavy considerations for a light-hearted podcast. But these are the things that we've been like going through and thinking about. And I think, you know... It, uh, anyone listening, if you're thinking about having a child, and there's anything kind of physical or emotional about you, you do sort of think like, "I want them to have a perfect run of it, hundred percent." You know, I don't want them to suffer. I don't want them to have any congenital things. Like yeah. I've got eczema on my thumb. I don't even want them to have that.
0: I've got good knees.
1: Have you? I've got bad knees. So she'll have, have one good knee. That'd be
0: great. So it?
1: they'll have one good knee.
0: Because good knees, I really think is if there's one thing I would you know give everyone, it's good knees.
1: Good knees, good teeth. Good knees, good teeth. That's a horse you keep. (laughs) Horses have knees, right? Yeah. How would they run if they just had four stick legs?
0: I don't know. I've never really thought about horses. So can I start by saying, um, when did you decide to become a mum and and how did that come about? And and what's it been like? Because we know nothing.
2: (laughs) How old are you guys?
0: Well, I'm thirty. Four. four you're and
2: going to be 35 I'm going to be
0: 35 in about three weeks
1: yeah and I'm 36 I just turned 36 yeah
2: my, my daughter's dad and I were the exact same age as you are now oh, wow. when we had my daughter um so we got married I was I, I wouldn't say I was ambivalent about motherhood before um. I got pregnant but I i am not one of those people who kind of always knew that they always wanted to have children like I would go in and out of thinking it was Mm -hmm. a great idea Um, I'm the oldest of a bunch of kids um, and so uh, I've been exposed to babies and children a lot and kind of felt like there wasn't much in that experience that I was missing so when we got married or when we were planning to get married I was 34 and I thought what if I love it? Mm. Um, we need to get going on this because if I want to have more than a couple, we're kind of running out of time here. Oh, wow, yeah. I feel like, well, I'd like to have five kids. Right. And then conversely, I thought, if I can't get pregnant, then I also want to get on, like, buying that vacation home or whatever we're going to do instead. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, uh, I started charting, like the year before we got married and i happened to be ovulating on our honeymoon and my daughter was born nine months and one day after our wedding
1: congratulations that's so (laughs) romantic (laughs) where did you go for the honeymoon we went to rome
0: of course the home of love and then, yes.
1: If she was a boy, you could call her Romeo. And then they'll say, why am I call Romeo? you would be like,
2: it's just like the Beckhams. It's beautiful. Oh, there's a whole story. Exactly. Um, we happened to get pregnant the same weekend in Rome as um, Kim Kardashian and Kanye. Oh, my God. Same. So I was and we all live in L.A. So I was like, oh, maybe we'll like give birth next to each other in the hospital or Maybe there'll be some sort of like Freaky Friday switcheroo sure. where I have their baby and they have mine, but oh, wow. it just turned out to be just regular and and they had theirs a month earlier anyway. So okay.
0: it's probably <laughs> probably for the best
2: in the long yeah. run. <laughs> no, I love my daughter. I love sure. my daughter.
0: Yeah, no, no. I mean, I think uh, and 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 I'm sure that the Wests are great parents. Um, I don't know them. Um, <laughs> I don't know very much about them either. Uh, just uh, uh, Jenny's
1: and... very blissfully unaware of what happens on the internet. I don't oh, good, get good, involved. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, do you know what's sad is we don't know. what. We, so we know these things about Kanye West. What we don't know is, did he take his daughter to baby sign language classes?
2: You know, I was going to say, um, for most very wealthy Hollywood folks, there are... Uh, there are teams of other people raising these kids and in some cases that's great you know (laughs) Mm. i wish i was that successful how big is your team (laughs) oh my um (laughs) my team (laughs) we have a daycare and we have a couple of regular uh sitters and um and yeah her her dad and i are no longer together so i do get breaks when she goes to visit him and i his team is a couple people deep, so I used to think when I was when I was pregnant and and when I first lived in LA and was thinking about having a baby, um, there was there's this popular amongst rich people trend of hiring a night nurse, mm. um, and I used to make fun of them, but God, I would kill for a night nurse even today. Like she's four, and I want one. <laughs> yeah,
0: I had a friend who who used a night nurse when they had a baby, and I remember at the time thinking can't remember. I remember having a sort of maybe a slightly dismissive opinion of that that I look back on now and think, what a moron I was. I can't think of a more wonderful thing possible.
2: Yeah, I had my mom for the first month. But after that, it would have been nice. Although I, at the time, I remember thinking like, well, then what's my job? I don't have sure. anything else to do <laughs> as a parent at this point. It, the kid doesn't talk. She doesn't move around on her own. So If I had a night nurse, then what would I do? Your only job in the beginning is to like feed and change. You know, just feed and change and hold, and feed and change and hold.
0: Yeah, but you need to sleep as well and self. That self care. Do you,
2: Johnny? That's adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. How do you deal with the first part of it in
1: terms of the repetition and the monotony and and I suppose if you're used, like I, I think about both of us, you know, we've got to a point in our lives where we've been having a lovely time doing Mm -hmm, what we mm -hmm. like and are interested in
2: from from my experience in the early days you're clinically insane and (sighs) something happens I think at least in the mother's chemistry where you are by necessity just completely focused on the task um and I did have some postpartum depression as well so it wasn't like fun in any way but it also I didn't feel like I really had a choice to do anything but what needed to be done in the moment. Um, and then there comes a point, for me, it was about um, maybe between three and six months where I started to remember that I was my own human, separate from the baby. Yeah. And then that's where I started to really freak out and think about, what is my life? <laughs> Who am I anymore? Do, do I sleep? I do sleep, right? Right. <laughs> you
0: know? Would you mind if I Jane? I'm, I'm good to steer yeah. steer back to something. Would you mind if I asked you a little bit about postpartum depression? Because I've suffered with um, clinical depression for most of my um, life. Certainly diagnosed all uh, uh, the last ten years or so, and I think it is something obviously. Um, that I'm, I, I, I've i got, I had concerns about going into this. Uh, mm-hmm. I had concerns of passing that on genetically. Um, mm-hmm. And I also have concerns about what's going to, what it's going to be like in the coming months. Um, mm-hmm. Could you, would you mind talking about what that was like for you and, and, and what, what your experience was?
2: Yeah. So um, at the time that I got pregnant, the um, prevailing thought was to wean off of all antidepressants, right? Like, unless you were suicidal or, or you know kind of the most extreme had had a very extreme um, mental illness that put you or the baby in danger it was thought like okay let's you know kind of clear out your system so oh,
1: but that's quite shocking I had no idea that that was the case yeah,
2: this was. I mean, again, this was six years ago when I was starting to try. But I know from yeah. personal experience in this
0: country now that that isn't the um, uh, and, and uh, that isn't the, the received wisdom anymore in in Britain. Right,
2: right, and I think it's changing here as well. Um, you know, it was it was really hard. I I I just remember having kind of a short fuse for difficulties and um, just. I wasn't like your rosy, happy, my my whole world has, like the the skies have opened up and the the Lord is shining sun down on me with my baby. (laughs) (laughs) Like nothing like that happened. I was, you know, my pregnancy was difficult anyway, but then on top of it to kind of have a a, a mild depression, I would say throughout my pregnancy um, was tough. And the hardest thing is that when you're depressed, you are not fun to be around, right? Mm. For other adults, the baby doesn't she sure. doesn't, didn't, didn't know. I was, I was holding her and feeding her and bouncing her on my knee and whatever. Um, going through the motions there. But the other adults in my life, I was insufferable a lot of the time. <laughs> um, so and you need those people when you have a newborn. So that was hard. It's such a hard illness in that respect
1: because you need help and support, and yet Mm -hmm. it makes it harder for people to give it. Like, yeah, I, I, I sort of, I didn't anticipate that in pregnancy in the first stage of it. I, I don't know what like goes on with me, but like the hormone progesterone is my nemesis, and so Mm. I can literally track when in the pregnancy I was having like big surges of it because I would just suddenly be so depressed and so sort of yeah, yeah you know really in the pits and then coming out again being like oh yeah i'm obviously not having that hormone this week right
2: yeah this is like a flush of that for a year <laughs> well, it's um, it's shocking i think like
1: I, I wonder how people can discuss it more and i wonder how it can be better in the open because it's such a big transformative thing and it's so hard to navigate
2: mhm i think i'm um, discussing it more is the first place to start obviously um and maybe discussing it more will alert the medical community to the fact that we need to be able to do some studies you know you just can't do any studies on pregnant people and it's all self-reporting after the fact and there's so much stigma around it that i think the self-reporting isn't thorough enough it doesn't give you enough data to come to any conclusions about this so you know the more people who can say yes i was depressed and this is how it made me feel and here's how i i managed it um we will we'll be able to kind of understand it more Also, just
1: if they did more research into women's healthcare and and, or just reproductive (laughs) healthcare, like it would be so much more helpful. Like the amount of times when I've in pregnancy spoken to someone, they've been like, "Oh, I suppose there's there's just not really any Mm. research on that," and I'm like, "What?
2: Why? There's been so much medicine." I know, and I have a daughter, and I was I was trying to look into some stuff about early childhood education, um, and a psychologist friend of mine said, "Well." Um, unfortunately, 80% of the psychological studies about children are done on boys. What? so, yeah, I don't know. Could they just not find girls? You know, know. (laughs) are they
0: they hiding? Are they in cupboards?
2: I think because most of the people asking the questions and who have the money for the grants are dudes. I don't know why. But yeah, that's, that's what she told me. And I said, oh, so none of this really applies to me. So I don't know. <laughs>
0: it's terrifically depressing uh, yeah. that th- th- that is the case. We, we uh, Jacey and I went to uh, two um, sets of, um, uh, what do they call pre-birth classes, mm-hmm. antenatal mm-hmm. classes. And mm-hmm. the number of times that uh, the teacher would say, well, we've got to bear in mind that uh, all of this science is based on one study done in 1751. And they haven't updated it. <laughs> <laughs> since then so uh i mean it's uh you know it, it probably doesn't hold a lot of water
2: <laughs> yeah yeah i you know i got into podcasting not science unfortunately i'm to try to fix some of that
1: <laughs> <laughs> we'll be speaking more to Jane marie in a minute but first we'll take a little break
0: Josie. Okay, we're back.
1: I I guess I I have a preoccupation with being frightened of the internet sometimes. And I think Mm -hmm. about them being exposed to things that are maybe just too harsh or too brutal for a child to
2: understand. Mm. And Here's what I'll say about that. And I do have a thought about it. You think that, for example, you put death on this list, right? Yeah. You, you, as an adult, Josie, believe death to be scary and harsh and... um, something to be avoiding the the thought of so do I I hate the idea of it it keeps me up at night it has haunted me for 40 years I do not like it at all Mm -hmm. so I'm going to do it differently for my child somehow I don't know if I'll nail it but what I really really want for her is to not be afraid of death I want her to see death as um, a mystery that is inevitable and possibly beautiful and um something to not be afraid of because it has preoccupied me in a way that i regret and cannot seem to fix and so i i i want to talk to her about it in a different way than it was spoken to me about which was one avoid it two make up some story about it that doesn't seem plausible in any way three suddenly throw her into a funeral situation or whatever you know um oh, wow yeah And then I've had my own brushes with death even as a small child. And so adding all of that up didn't work because it turned me into a neurotic weirdo about death. Um, I want her to not worry about death. So we watch... We watch some movies that are, I think some parents would be like, ooh, like Coco, you know? As mm. She's four. It's her favorite movie right now. And it gets us into some really great discussions about life and death and about family and all the wonderful themes that come up in that film. But I've heard
1: about that film. My friend really recommended yeah, it to me.
2: It's wonderful. It's wonderful. But so going down the line of things, that, or if you have a list of stuff that you're like, ooh, that's too scary for a kid to, to think about. I, <clears throat> In my parenting, I've tried to turn that on its head and go, okay, that's too scary for me to think about, or too scary for me to think about a child thinking about. So how, how do I make a person who doesn't feel that way about these inevitable truths of the human experience, right? Yeah. And I don't know exactly how. I don't have the answers, but I know what not to do. But it's
1: such a good perspective, and it's not something I've thought of in that way before of like, oh, no this is still all my stuff and this doesn't have to be their stuff Mm -hmm. like even Mm -hmm. when it's something like that it's yeah it makes so much sense but did is this something you thought about prior to her being born or was this something that like as and when things came up you were like oh hang on let me examine this oh I see
2: (laughs) no I didn't have any any of that pre-prepared no um that's good to hear as well yeah no it kind of came up in the moment and and okay then there's other things that's like why would you talk about climate change they're not going to help you know what I mean they're not going to inform your ideas about it at all they don't know what the hell they're talking about
1: that's how yeah, exactly <laughs> like and what's your solution child Yeah, <laughs> how can you research that again like it's it, I feel like aided by that so much because it's like it's not even a question of protecting them it's a question of going well it's not it's not appropriate now that's fine (laughs) they're allowed to be a child
2: yeah exactly exactly and i i have friends who i don't want to name any names but i have friends who like have kids my age and who have like involved them in the earthquake preparedness plan and i'm like until they can carry a five gallon bucket of water and help me when the earthquake happens like I'm still gonna be just like the only one in charge here.
1: Huh. <laughs> you know? Like it's almost worse if if you've got like you need to have the whistle, and then yeah. they're like,
2: yeah, you don't, <laughs> and then they're like, wait, what's gonna happen? And I'm like, oh, the whole earth is gonna shake and our house is gonna fall down. But don't worry about it; it might not. Oh, you know, God. like yeah, no, yeah, we're yeah. not. We don't talk about earthquakes. I know where the we all the the kit is and everything. And if it strikes in the middle of the night, she's just gonna be just as like uh, frazzled as I am you know we're both going to be panicked why start that now I don't want to talk to her about it now she doesn't she's experienced a couple of earthquakes and I've been like that was funny right and then we move on but there's really nothing I can tell her about how to handle one that would be of any use to her in the moment
1: you know yeah how do you feel about the idea of kind of like stretching the truth to your child, like, or inventing things in a way that might feel silly or benign or things like that, like, is it all right to kind of... I don't know what I'm trying to think. It's like there's a possible explanation for, like water bills that you could give them that's quite dull or you could make up a slightly more fun version
2: what's dull about the plumbing operation of a major metropolitan area Mm, to me that's i mean it's and it's easier just to tell them that you know like oh so there's these pipes that are under our house and she's like what and i'm like yeah get a load of this okay so rain comes over the mountain and, you know, we tell the whole story of the water cycle. Um, I mean, to be fair,
1: yeah, the world is big enough, isn't it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I don't mean to just pick on that one example. That's fine. I mean, there's lots of stuff that comes up that's boring. Um, You're never going to be bored, first of all. Yeah,
1: I remember when I was little, we lived in this really little suburban house. Mm -hmm. And yeah, me and my sister really thought that like, I think because we'd seen the Beverly Hillbillies, we were like, Uh if we dig in our back garden, we'll find oil. And we'll yeah. all be millionaires. Or like, yeah, if yeah. we dig up the lawn, we'll find pottery from ancient Greece.
2: Right, and, then, and coins, and then you're going to be rich forever, yeah. Yeah, and you sort of mm-hmm. really...
1: Did you? Uh, no, not at all. No, did you dig up the lawn? Oh, yeah. Did you find a mole? <laughs> no, Aww. I wish I found a mole. A lovely little mole. <laughs> found a little bit of a plate. I think that's a that I remember that
2: they don't know anything. Wow. They are dumb as shit when they come out. So <laughs> you you can either make stuff up, which is fun. You know, there's there's fun in making things up. I like to make things up with her, you know, like let's make up a story together and knowing that it's a story. Yeah. But the real world is crazy enough for their little brains, you know. Um and it's fun to to make like learning real things fun i don't i don't tell her we don't do like the elf on the shelf we don't do
1: okay sorry what's the elf on the shelf i've heard vaguely of it but i don't know what it is
2: he's a a, uh one of santa's friends and he kind of like watches you all night make sure you're good like those kinds of manipulative like stories about here's how i'll get you to behave is i'll tell you that there's like a creepy guy that's watching you or whatever there's a lot of there's a lot of st- I, I feel like when oh, friends of mine make up stories for their kids it's usually to like get them to do something
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and also they know everyone spots secret education and stuff I also
0: think if anyone is watching you um let's report it you know, exactly like, like, create narratives <laughs> exactly. where they learn that not
2: <laughs> exactly. this is
0: useful
1: yeah <laughs> We will be back in just a second after this short break.
0: Josie and Johnny are having a baby And we're back.
1: I was brought up with quite a intense uh, Christianity-based backbone to mm-hmm. my life, which I don't think I... I mean, I, I think at best I'm a, an agnostic now, but I'm pretty much a, an atheist now. And I um, i do think, like, gosh, one of the reasons why I try not to lie to people is because it was drummed into me so much that, like, God is watching you. And so I do think, like, how do you get a humanist framework for sort of being like, please be honest or try to be? Well, it, I mean, I think
0: Sorry, you didn't ask me, and I shouldn't I, ask the question. I, <laughs> it's incredibly
1: rude. I didn't, but at the same time, it's good that no, you this have is got is great. This,
2: you have somebody right there yeah. that's so helpful. This Sorry. is awesome. Sorry, <laughs> but,
1: well, I,
0: I suppose that what I would say in a nutshell is um, how do you get someone to learn things that are – inherently good and the way you really should live your life and and countless generations have discovered is the best way to live your life, either through religion or just a personal moral code, you know, for a variety of different reasons. People keep coming back to this same thing. It is best to be an honest and good and decent person. Well, you know what? People tend to come round to that and they tend to stick to it much more if they know good reason for it than if it's sort of been slightly...
1: um, Alphized. Into them.
2: So we have stories we tell ourselves about our experience and how we became the person we are and all that. But it's possible that none of that mattered. You know, it's possible that going to church every Sunday and them telling you, you shan't lie and whatever, wasn't the actual thing that made you. Yes, that's true.
1: You don't, you just assume that was the factor. Yeah, that makes so much sense.
2: It might be that your mother was honest with you a couple of times in a way that really impacted you, Mm. you know, that you needed the truth about something, and she told you the truth, or that someone who you loved very, very much lied to you once, and that
0: that um,
2: taught you more than every Sunday in church not to do that to other people. And also, you
0: came away from a a Christian upbringing um, with, in, in the eyes of the church, not a well-rounded set of things that you've kept. You kept those things. You didn't keep the other bits. So maybe it's mm-hmm. just that you were given that upbringing, and the things that were inherently true
1: to well, you. The things you kept. that I liked, I kept. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Also, but then, see, then I suppose. Oh, I don't know how silly this is, but then I was thinking, wow, life is so big and so full of factors. How can you ever get a handle on what was what worked and what didn't?
2: Right i suppose that's just the case and you're making a human you're making a brand new human as well Mm. who has who's going to come into this with their own all kinds of stuff you know who for the most part will listen to to your ideas but can also go okay mom and then walk in the other room and Mm. say like forget that lady so (laughs) so um is it the case
1: that kind of i i've definitely had friends who said things to me that felt superstitious but also beautiful of like mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the day they were born their personality did
2: show itself to me. If you count uh never sleeping, yes. <laughs> that was apparent right away in retrospect. <laughs> in retrospect, yeah, she's always been a bad sleeper. <laughs> we we spoke,
0: we spoke to Eugene Merman,
2: the uh, Oh, I stunder, love Eugene. And, oh, and
0: he yeah. said, give them a lot of carbs right before bed. That, ah, that, get that gets them to sleep. How,
2: how do you get them to eat <laughs> the carbs? I'm
0: not sure. It was like a carbs drip. That <laughs> yeah,
2: right. <laughs> I read something that um, that helped me, even though it hasn't changed anything in my house. Mm. <laughs> um, I believe it was a Mark Bittman article. But basically it was like, have decent food in your house. Yeah. That's it. Huh. Yeah. The end... You know, don't have the cupboards full of, of terrible options, or if you do, like, put them up high and lock it. <laughs> but just have, like, okay food in the house, and then they'll just have to eat that.
1: That is something that I, I'm not sure whether we put it down. But, like, we, because um, we both growing up have p- problematic relationships with food and with mm. people kind of making that an issue, like like um, mm-hmm, demonizing mm-hmm. our bodies and stuff like that, and mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of people telling us to lose weight when we were little kids. and.
0: Yeah. And the generation above us were
1: stricter than I think we are
0: insofar as they they like to stick to something rather than be the way we're going to parent, which I think is to get things wrong and then apologize and then try again.
2: I, I think also, and this isn't a generational thing, but I think there's like, you know, you'll you'll find that there are things you do in the moment to get through the moment that if you can just stop and think for a second, like, Oh God, what is this going to do 10 years down the line? It's impossible to do that all the time, (laughs) you know, but there's, there are, like I said, there's times, there's nights where I just don't want to make another plate of food. And I just, you know, we battle it out and i say like, finish your plate, finish your plate. And it, you know, uh, because I, because I just want it to be over dinner time. Um, and then I think, I hope that doesn't, like, screw her up about food, like, later that night when I'm doing the thing where I cycle through what happened during the day for, like, two hours before I go to sleep. Um, I don't know. It breaks my heart that anyone would have told you to diet when you were little. Yeah. Like
1: oh. I was thinking about that. I, I said yesterday to a friend of mine, I was like, oh, when I was five at school in kindergarten, <gasps> I was singled out and put on a diet. And I remember I went up to get my school lunch and they wouldn't let me have chips that's <gasps> gosh! it's definitely
0: a really bad way to yeah. teach somebody something
1: and yeah. that's why my daughter will never be allowed to be fat and no, i'm joking i'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> oh <God. laughs> can you imagine oh god, i know oh god <laughs> the thought of it chills my spine
2: it sets up a weird relationship with yeah. food you know yeah. with like the in deprivation and just all yeah uh
0: has being a mum made you reappraise your relationship with your mum and sort of look back and, and have different feelings and be more forgiving or more, or less forgiving or all sorts of things like that?
2: Literally every single day. Yeah. Huh. Wow. Literally every single day something comes up where I go, oh, oh no. <laughs> I, it's mostly, the, it's mostly this, the stuff where I didn't have sympathy for her when I was a kid and now I have my perspective and I'm thinking... That must have been really hard, you know, and she never really complains or complained even at the time. But I have a lot of sympathy for my mom now and I think about it all the time.
1: But also like how great that you guys spend more time together now and that like, you know, she's now a grandmother. That's a whole different relationship. It's really loving. And
2: do you know what I mean? Like, I wish she lived closer. She lives so far away. She's in Michigan and we're in California. But we do try to see each other as much as humanly possible. And it's a lot. She And she's learned and changed a lot my mom um was very much like this is you know this is how I did this and this is how you should do things not all the time but like she she's opinionated about parenting and my daughter has changed her <laughs> <Yeah. Wow. laughs> just in ways where, where she's like oh the thing that worked with all of my kids is not working here sure. I see that this is a different kind of person and i mm <laughs> yeah mm-hmm different person that sort of
1: blows Thanks. my mind as well that even when you've already done it and you've done it well like you've got mm-hmm. like lo- mm-hmm. loads of kids that are all like out and about in the world they're grown up you then even then you're not you're never an expert person right
2: right yeah and I think I think my mom like shifting her perspective started while I was in labor wow. um she always felt very strongly about natural birth and I couldn't get the baby out Sure. and um i had to get an epidural at, at some at one point like way late into the process and so i think it was at that moment that my mom was like okay i'm just going to have to kind of throw all of my preconceived ideas about parenting out the window and go for go on this ride yeah yeah <laughs> and it's been really wonderful wow well,
0: thank you so much for talking to us today it's been so oh, it was
2: lovely. lovely it's been a joy good luck you guys oh thank you oh, it was so fun thanks That was
1: our chat with Jane Marie. Uh, We loved it. I hope you did too. Thanks again for listening. Uh, You can find us online. I'm at jocelong.com, Johnny's at johnnydonohoe.co.uk. We're on Twitter. I'm at josielong. Johnny's at johnnydonahoe, And Jane Marie is on Twitter. She is at CJMarie. Not the ocean sea, the looking sea. I mean, I've made that a lot more complicated than is necessary
0: jane marie
1: yes that's better
0: also make sure you go to apple podcasts and give us a uh, five-star rating if you enjoyed the show and a review if you like us uh, or, or, or not if you don't want to i mean that's uh, there's no obligation there we just would love that uh, but thanks for listening either way
1: This show was produced by Ruth Barnes and Laura Sheeter from Chalk and Blade, and that was for Stitcher. Also, special thanks to Stephanie Kariuki and Laura Mayer. And we are Josie and Johnny.
0: If you want any more, sign up for Stitcher Premium and hear every episode of Josie and Johnny are Having a Baby with you ad-free. And before anyone else gets a chance to listen to it, uh, for a free month of listening to Stitcher, go to stitcherpremium.com forward slash baby and use our promo code baby. B-A-B-Y.
1: What other spelling would there be? Of baby? Yeah. I
0: suppose there actually isn't. <laughs> I've been really thinking, of oh, better no give me the right baby spelling.
1: Well, also, it's good to belt and braces. Yeah, that's right. Next week, we're going to be talking to someone else who's going to be very important and very interesting. So please make sure you subscribe to us at Stitcher or Apple or wherever you listen to podcasts. But until then...
0: It's been a pleasure. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye.
2: Stitcher